This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing, my chance to talk with artists, policymakers, and performers, to hear their stories, what inspires their creations, what decisions changed their careers, what relationships influenced their work. My guest today is comedian, actress, and screenwriter Amy Schumer. She starred in Trainwreck, last summer's romantic comedy hit, directed by Judd Apatow. Here she is on her own TV sketch comedy show, Inside Amy Schumer, as Bill Cosby's defense attorney. Let's remind ourselves what's at stake here. If convicted, the next time you put on a rerun of The Cosby Show, you may wince a little. You may feel a little pang. And none of us deserve that. We don't deserve to feel that pang. We deserve to dance like no one's watching. Amy Schumer's comedy is part social commentary, part self-deprecation. To her critics who accuse her of having a blind spot when it comes to race, Schumer says she enjoys, quote, playing the girl who from time to time says the dumbest thing possible, unquote. I want to warn you that this episode does include some fairly graphic language. Amy Schumer doesn't pull punches when it comes to how she describes herself. In her recent HBO special, Schumer compares her looks to that of a garden gnome, a werewolf, a fat tumbleweed, and, quote, one of those inflatable things outside a car wash, unquote. But Amy says lately she's letting her onstage persona transform a bit. My stand-up is getting closer and closer to me. It used to start as just kind of a character, and now it's, it's pretty close to you me. You played a character. I played a character when I would do stand-up, yeah. This, like, real irreverent, like, you know, pr overprivileged white chick who would say racist stuff and um, just just wouldn't know that she was, like, the worst person ever. And that's migrated closer to who you are, which is... I guess it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, now it's... You're um, telling me, you know, the people that you're really racist against. Yes, yeah. yes. You've narrowed that down. That's right. No, now it's more just stories and and being more myself. And I'll still like say an awful joke now and now and then, but it's it's mostly just the way I would tell a story to my sister or you know friends. Do you know that we've met before? And we used to take Pilates together, but I never bothered you. You took Pilates at Ninety uh, Second Street Equinox. Yes. yes. Wow. I, I missed did those that. private. We would do those private classes, but I really tried to not annoy you. And now it's happening to me. What kinds of things do people say to you? Well, actually, this is awful, and I debated whether or not I should tell you this, and I feel horrible. But back, back, back in the day, this is 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, at a different Equinox, <laughs> you and I were both—it was like the 50th Street one? in like, by, like in Times I was doing a show on Broadway. Oh, okay. And you were having water, and I was a very young idiot, and you were, like, at the water fountain, and I was like, water's for closers. Did you say <laughs> like, that to me? I fucking said that to you. What a piece right. of garbage. And now people say dumb shit to me all the time, and, uh, and I deserve it. When I watch the Bill Cosby trial that you have on, <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. when I see that, <laughs> is that I see the actress in you— and you studied acting, correct? Yeah, I Where? went to the William Esper studio. I, I studied in college, but then I studied with Bill Esper. Where did you go to college? Towson University in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. huh. But yeah, William Esper. I studied with him for two years in a Meisner intensive and then uh, continued with him into a master class. And I started a theater company out of there called The Collective, which um, is going strong. Do you, do you consider yourself an actress more than a comic? You call yourself a comic? Or? I call myself a comic. You do? But uh, I started as an actress. Cool. As an actress? 
Actress. <laughs> is that <laughs> not what actress. it's called, Alex? It's an actress. I'm an actress. So the first times you were on stage, the first times you were performing in public, you're a stand-up. No, I did plays since I was five. Were you paid for the plays when you were five? I were did on an Broadway? opera. I did one called um, called Seeking a Bre- uh, Keeping a Breast, which was about me getting a mastectomy, and it was like this whole heavy thing. That was before I made any money doing stand-up. I, I started in that. When did stand-up start for you? Stand-up started... Um, 11 years ago. And uh, I started making a living from it seven years, eight years ago. I'm assuming you're the funniest thing in your house. You're the funniest one in your family. You're at a party. Everybody's having a drink and everyone's on the floor just gagging and sobbing when you open your mouth. You're the funny one. Yes. When does that cross over and you go, I'm going to get up and do it in front of a microphone in front of people? That's your idea or people tell you you should do that? No, that was my idea. I never thought about it. I like just loved stand up and comedy. I was always drawn to it. I did plays. I always got the comedic roles in college and then, uh, or the girls who would get naked. I would get either of those. And then I got, uh, I tried improv. <laughs> they were like, this girl's naked in, in the third act. Amy will do it. And then, uh, why did they say that? Cause they knew, like I wasn't raised with proper boundaries and like don't hold enough connection to, um, like privacy and stuff. And so, yeah, like it, what do you nudity to, that's, wasn't a big that, deal in my house. What do you attribute that to? That, that nudity Everyone wasn't was a big deal. Nude in your house? It was all girls for the most part. You grew up in a nude house. I grew up in a nude house. Describe well, the house. My, Who's my there? My sister, my, like my mom. She's um, nude. She's nude frequently. But it's like, are you really nude if you have the biggest bush ever? Right. And then my sister, she's always been more reserved. But but I, you know, I'll, I'll still walk around naked in front of her. And she like deals with it. Did you just say that your mother's full-on native? <laughs> like back she in is? the day. I don't know what my mom's vaginal situation is now. now. I have been to a ask while. her. I should text her right now and find out. But but seriously, it's how many kids in your family? Three. That's you. Yeah, that was me. Uh, That's uh, me. Uh, that was Excuse me. Excuse me. So it's you and and three sisters or two sisters? One younger sister, one older brother who's a jazz musician. Was he nude, your brother? No. He wasn't. He was not nude. And I, we weren't nude in front of him, but he left the house as soon as he could. But right, he was out. <laughs> and that's when uh, that's when the colony began. Really? Yeah, I don't, you know. What about your dad? He was also out by 13, but he was pretty naked. He went over naked. the wall. He was gone. He was gone. He but went had over he the been wall. naked? Um, only when he was, like, blacked out. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're from Long Island, Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. My dad didn't drink. That's cool. Yeah, my mom but never drank. But in my drank. neighborhood it was. Yes. Your mom was an undrinker, but your father was a partier. My father was a, yeah. Was he a partier or was he like home and kind of by himself? And, home and by himself. Yeah. Like, Drinking, sleeping. Yes. I, like, I didn't even know. And and then... Uh, what kind of work did he do? He was like very... We were very rich. <laughs> he was and, an air um, traffic controller. <laughs> Do you ever see the movie Flight? Yeah. Um, he was... Uh, he was, like, rich, and he owned this company called Lewis of London that was a baby furniture company. And uh, they were the only people, like, importing you fancy. You rich. Yeah, until I was 13. And then he left. And No, and then he got MS. And um, other people started importing baby furniture from uh, Europe. And then we went bankrupt and had to move into, like, a shack. And uh, You're not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. You, where did you grow up before Lewis of London and went under? What part of town? Born at Lenox Hill, and then we moved out to Long Island. Where on the island? Rockville Center. And then, and then, where did you move? Where was the shack? Uh, like still legally school Rockville Center, but Hempstead. Okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I get it. You get it. And you, and you grew up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is your family still there? My mom's in Long Beach. My dad lives in a hospital on Long Island, 
brothers in Chicago, sister and I in New York. What does Long Island mean to you? Um, I'd like to still perform there, so I don't want to say. <laughs> I still want to be able to draw there? and sell tickets there, so I don't want to say. I love Long Beach, and uh, I had, like, kind of a rough—like, I had a good high school experience and everything, but, you know, that my town, it was major anti-Semitism and— yeah, like I don't know. There were there were a lot of things that I loved and a lot of things I didn't love. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to live there again. You left to go to Towson State, Towson University, and then you went to where? And then back I moved to back York? to New York and went to the William Esper Studio. No LA for you? No, never. never. I lived in Santa Barbara for a little bit with a, a boyfriend, and I was a pedicab driver. And then I taught kickboxing. You were a pedi? Seriously? Yes, I was teaching kickboxing and uh, driving a pedicab. Nude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? What's Santa up? Barbara. <laughs> but that was the only uh, stint in, in California for you? Yes. You never mm -hmm. wanted to move out there? No, I've never wanted to move Did out there. Did you grow up in a generation of performers, like my generation is different, where you were led to believe you'd be better off out there? Is New York— Everyone said to move out there. And you wouldn't do it? No. Why? I don't, I don't like it. I don't—I didn't, and I re remain not liking it. Why? Um, It's— why am I depressed when I'm out there? Aside from, like, just the general um, just feeling of desperation in the air and, like, everyone's clawing at something that even if they get they won't be happy. Um, I don't like the isolation and the traffic and what it, how it changes the my friends. The insularity for me when you're in a car. Yeah, and then you're just driving. Everything's so annoying. The movies that you've made, what was that experience like compared to what, what else you've been doing? Were you treated like a queen and it was all a bit elevated for train wreck and so forth? Um, no. I mean, I think it seems to me that the lead and the director kind of set up the vibe uh, with the crew and it was very familial and not— Star-driven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just like a collaboration. It felt like that's how it is on my TV show and I think— You prefer that? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even though the day comes when people like you are in the room because you're posting one movie, casting your TV show, mm -hmm. doing rewrites on the latest draft <laughs> of this. I mean, some people lock themselves in the big— And touring as a stand-up. And touring, yeah. They're doing and trying their not to get so fat I can't go downstairs. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that. Oh. <laughs> but, <clears throat> we're going to get to that. Okay. But, but sometimes people lock themselves in the big aircraft carrier trailer because they got a lot going on. You know, yeah, like, like that being makes a sense. double banger doesn't cut. They're, they're watching discs, they're watching shows, they're businesses. They're, I mean, they're a real enterprise. Yeah. And something tells me that's happening for you, correct? Um, I don't know. I guess so. A lot but of people want to make movies with you? Yeah. Train wrecked well. Train wrecked well. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like Barry Mendel, who produced it, was like, you're not really about the spoils, are you, Schumer? And I'm like, no, I like making the thing and doing it and then feel no real connection to the We're going to make you about the spoils. We're going to change that. Okay. Well, I mean, because don't Because they don't get understand wrong. anything wrong. I'm very happy to be on a private yeah. plane more often now. That's yeah. That stuff is awesome. But it's, sure. you know, it doesn't make me any happier. Who wrote Trainwreck? Me. All by yourself? No, um— my sister helped with a lot of rewrites, and Judd would give notes. And, I mean, I, I sent it to all my friends. I asked everyone for input. And then on set, there's a lot of improv and, and the whatever. the credited screenwriter is. Is me. Right. I, I wrote—I did write Trainwreck. Oh, you wrote Trainwreck. Yeah. What was that experience like making the film? It was the best. Was it really? Yeah. I had the best time. I, uh, yeah, I got spoiled by that. It was how I like it, which is, like, you know, I kept it small in my mind so I wouldn't get overwhelmed. And with my TV show, it's like my 
family's close. We're all working together. It, it feels very collaborative. And, uh, yeah, everybody's treated the same. And and, and that's how it was on, on Trainwreck also. And, and it was just fun. It was just the funniest people I know shooting these scenes that, I, that were really important to me that I thought were really funny. Whose idea was the poster? Um, what was the poster? You holding your oh, finger Oh, me like up this? Oh. The, that's like literally every photo shoot I've ever done. You, I, that's the advice I would give to I, anybody. I Whatever your first ever photo shoot is, and whoever writes the first ever review of you, that is what everyone will reference the rest of your life, so I hope you like it. Don't, don't make that mistake. That was a great poster. My favorite 30 Rock was where... I was actually... Oh, wait, this is lame, because I was in it, but it was just a very quick scene, but it was Tina doing a photo shoot... With the rubber chicken, and she's, like, sitting on the toilet. Because for, you know, for <laughs> comics, they're always, like, here. And for me, because it's, like, you know, I talk about sex. They're, like, can you just, like, stand in this dumpster and, like, clowns will come on you? And uh, you're, like, thank you. But, yeah, the first time they ever shoot you, like, that's it. That's in every review. I've been the girl next door fastest rising comic for, like, ten years. Speaking of sitting in a dumpster and clowns coming on you. Yes. What would you say is the... Uh, the biggest challenge for men who date you? Battling uh, HPV. It's getting, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. It's getting enough Valtrex. Um, yeah. No, I am. Um, would you believe it? I'm disease-free, 34 I years old. I it. It's true. Because you look like you stepped right out of the sound of music. You, know, you look like <laughs> Liesl. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Um, well, Liesl, if she had a lot of STDs. True. You know? Exactly. If she had been with the entire, you know, Luftwaffe. That song 16 Going on 17 was actually about syphilis. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for, for, for guys you date, climb is it intimidating? Is about climb every mountain. <laughs> um, for guys I date—wait, what was the question? Is it like— Is it intimidating for men who are with you to have someone who's as sexually liberated as you are? I feel like I'm so normal to have sex with. I talk about it, but if, if people We're going to do a phoner with one of your ex-boyfriends. Do it. Like, They're all my best friends. They'll all tell you. It's like I'm down to try stuff, and I'm I'm cool, and I, I, I have a real appetite for sex, but I'm very normal. It's just that I talk about it. It's If people listen to my jokes, I'm saying I've never had anal sex. No one's ever come on my face. But just hearing those words said, you just think, like, this whore. Right. Well, she's not. Yeah, she's lying. Mm-hmm. So, you, so for you, men you've dated, yeah. are they typically— from the same circles you're in, comics? Yes. I've dated two comedians. One of them was for years and years, and the other one was just for a couple months. But uh, but actors and, yeah, like artists. I, I do want to be able to speak the same language. You do. The last guy I dated was a doctor. And? And that was good. He confirmed that you have every STD. Yes. Well, he, he was an infectious back. disease doctor. He was an <laughs> Ebola doctor. I'm not even kidding. He was an Ebola doctor. You were, you're dating a civilian, so to speak. Was there any benefits to that? I liked dating a civilian. I think it was that I I think he was interested in not staying a civilian. Oh, really? Yeah. And that he was wanted kind, kind of, of a bummer. Dr. Ozzy kind yeah, of thing I going on? Yeah, I think so. No, I don't think that's why he was interested in me, but that, that was a turnoff. Um, the people that you dated who were in the business— do you say to yourself you want to date somebody who's as funny as you or funnier than you? Well, um, what do you I, do I when really, they're not getting anywhere. When they're not funny. Well, or, they're, not, they're, they're not making it too. I mean, you're. It's like I, I would never care. I, I really, but it's very hard. I think for men to oh, date someone, men want to feel like they're teaching you something, and I, I'd like to be taught something. <laughs> like that Go sounds ahead. great. Teach me, <laughs> but it's hard. It's like I, you know, I'm either going to date. Louis or Aziz, I'm sorry, 
and uh, or Chris Rock, and uh, they're all just my friends. We don't want to have sex with each other, so. But the people who have made me laugh the most are the most attractive to me. But I, I still, I still need more than just laughter. But being as this is just my opinion, but being as funny as you are and as sexually liberated as you are. And as warm as you are and likable, you must have women everywhere throwing themselves at you as well. That's a very good observation. Yeah, women women get, I think, confused around me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> have I got your attention? Yeah. No. I um I think women they they want my attention. They like me. They're in and they don't know they're confused about their feelings for me. I'm straight. But they'll sometimes deal with me the way that they would a guy that they're attracted to, like this kind of flirty. Like I remember one time this this model, we were following each other on Twitter, and she like wrote me a message and was like, I just woke up from a nap. And uh, I was like, she's like, I, I like. And it, the way that she wrote it, it was like you. It's what you would send to a guy so that they would picture you in like a cute environment. Like, yeah. mm. and uh, I was like, wh- I'm not like trying to say <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm not Ken. Yeah. So girls just get they get like a little bit. Con- some women, I feel that energy from them. Like they just like look at me like that. They don't know what to do. <laughs> but well, well, how did you observe that? That's such a no one's well, ever said that to me before. Young, but. People who I work with who are young, who shall remain nameless, who are listening to this recording right now, they will talk to me about how people who are young are kind of on a spectrum. You of know, sexuality? Where, yeah, where you like you don't sure. sleep with. As my daughter said to me once, she said to me because she had a girlfriend for a while, yeah. and she said to me, "You don't sleep with a man or a woman. You sleep with the person." Okay. I'm attracted to that person. So right. she slept with somebody who was a woman. Yeah. And I was like, you know, wow. I mean, I've, I've met men that I loved as much as anybody in my life. And <laughs> you've never. But I wasn't built that way. I just, so it doesn't think to myself, oh, I don't, that doesn't interest me. Right. You know? I'm, yeah. I, um... I'd rather be with a woman that I want to set on fire and throw off a cliff <laughs> than be with a guy who was the greatest human being I've ever met. He was like Abraham Lincoln meets Montgomery Clift. <laughs> oh, my God. You Seriously, you wouldn't even let Lincoln blow you? I wouldn't. Well... <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Oh I'd, I'd have God. to deny him. But you said and you all hate that pent-up US frustration, history, right? Yeah, I think that they think it served him well. Oh my God! If I could get Betsy Ross to just go <laughs> exactly. down on me for yeah. five Gerald seconds, Gerald Ford had me going. <laughs> I'd see him even now. I'm like, Man, oh my Gary. God, gold in my ear and the right negligee. <laughs> right. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever sleep with a woman. I, I hope so. You do hope so. Yeah, at some point. Just to know what that's like. Hmm. Are you political at all? Yeah. You are? Yeah. What's an issue, if you're willing to say, that has got your attention? The gun issue? Um, the what? The gun issue. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought they fixed that. <laughs> right. Wait, is that still a problem? Wait, what's Congress doing? Um, Wait, let me park this pedicab. <laughs> yes, I was, you know, I've always, like everyone else, been like, what are they doing? Can't they, can, we can't get any stiffer checks for people um they're like no any blind person should have the right to bear arms and uh you know and but it wasn't my thing my thing is empowering women and trying to make women feel better about themselves and and i have a charity called style fund and uh it's all about um (laughs) like that's the loudest i've ever heard anyone drink a soda um it's all about uh yeah empowering women and having them feel good in their own skin and then but then there was a shooting during one of the uh, during a showing of Trainwreck, and uh, it broke my heart. And so I got involved with gun gun control. And uh, yeah, I'm continuing to do work with that. 
I have a press conference again with Senator Schumer on Sunday. Yeah, you've got people like the Schumer twins. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> like do, you, do you spend a lot of time with them? We sleep head to toe. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amy and New York Senator Chuck Schumer are second cousins once removed. Explore the Here's the Thing archives, where I talk with other comedians like Chris Rock, who directed Amy Schumer's new HBO special Live at the Apollo. I visited Chris backstage on Broadway when he was acting in a play for the first time. I'm really trying to act here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Have you enjoyed it? I'm enjoying it a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. What was lot. the rehearsal like? The rehearsal was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Take a listen at heresthething.org. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. My guest today is comedian Amy Schumer. She often plays insensitive characters, blind to their privilege, and ready to drink and hook up with whomever is willing. Somehow, no matter how offensive they are, we're always on their side. Growing up, the real Amy didn't feel as awkward as you might imagine. Like, I've always felt pretty. I've always got a attention. I've always yeah. got attention from men. I've, no shortage of men. No, and no, um, and not much unrequited love. I've had a pretty good experience. But that just lets you know how much no one is immune to that. I've, like, I didn't have a mom who was like, this is how you wear makeup and you always have to wear a bra and and here's how you can dress. for." So I was kind of just like Nell walking <laughs> into school, just like, and, you know, now that I've accessed, like, a stylist and someone who can show me how to do things, I... Uh, you look good up there at the Apollo. Thank you. Yeah, that's a team of experts. And so not everyone can have that team, but I don't really feel like that's fair. So Style Fund is a is me and Lisa Evans, who was a costume designer in Trainwreck, and we have we partnered with Goodwill to show women specifically right now who are reentering the workforce, people who are vets, how to dress because it's such a stressful thing for women. And clothes only go up to a size 12 and, and then, like, they kind of just, like, send you out to a field and are, like, you know, they're like, here's <laughs> a, a needle and thread. Yeah, yeah. The proportions change. And, like, that message, it's it's just awful. And here's I, a bunch of used dresses. Make one dress yes, out of this dress. Yes. You know, and for me, it's like a lot of times I'd be going to do stand-up and I would just be, like, trying to put on an outfit. And I would just be like, ugh, like, just not – I would just feel, like, all eyes are on you and you're being so evaluated by your physicality as a woman it would hold me back a little bit. And, and so I'm like, as someone who has done well with with the opposite sex, I and I still, it's still debilitating to me. How is this for women who have it harder than me? Because the images that we see of, of these women every day all over magazines and TV and now with this huge celebrity culture, that's not how people look. And you just feel like, well, I'm disgusting and I'm not worthy of love. I think that's how a lot, the but majority— But you've never felt that way. No, of course I have. You have? Yeah. Yeah, it's a back and forth. There's like three days a month where I'm just like, oh, my God, how has anyone ever gotten an erection? It's—yeah. Are you a foodie? No. You're not. I love food, but I don't, like, know about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like. That's I'll gonna eat be anything. the title of this episode. I love food. <laughs> but I, don't I don't know anything know about, about it. it. I worked in fine dining restaurants. I worked in like every restaurant in New York. So, you I did. Yeah. Game one. 
Bluefin, Michael Jordan's Steakhouse, Vento. You're a waitress? I was a waitress and a bartender. Hostess? You're a bartender. Yes. I bet you were a great bartender. I was a bitch. Any bar you were, you were a bitch? <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, people were nice. I'm, I'm like, give people the benefit of the doubt, but I'm not going to like pretend to flirt with someone for an hour oh, so when guys for a dollar. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, when I say, are you a foodie, <laughs> you yeah. say, uh, yes, but I don't know anything about it. What's your, what, what are your favorite places to eat? What's your favorite food? What do you, My favorite do you have food a chef? is... Um, well, I really like Rick Bayless. I like his um, sandwiches that he serves at uh, in the Chicago airport called Frontera. And I love I love New Orleans. I love this place, Pascal's Manali. Uh-huh. Their barbecue shrimp. That's my monster's ball. Wow. And their bread pudding, like wow. Yeah, no I question. I love New Orleans. I that I anytime I have a couple days off, I'm like I go straight there. I love it. Um, are you a sugar person? Yeah. I can only get healthy. I can only lose weight. I can only take do, like, proper no care of sugar. myself if I have to eliminate sugar. Sugar's yeah. like a poison. Yeah, I have to like film a thing where I have to be in a bathing suit in uh, in March. So mm-hmm. I'm you like, have time. I've got time. You have time. Yeah. yeah, but it's not a lot of time. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what I tell myself. I got time. Yeah, we start shooting like, in two weeks. And then all of a sudden, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. I ran yeah. out of time. I well, what makes someone a foodie if they just like love food? What well, to me, a foodie is somebody who food. why. I mean, I can't, like, I couldn't describe it if I tasted, you know, you see, like, judges on those shows. But you're somebody who goes to, like, you're somebody who you go to really nice restaurants and sit down and take your time and have dinner. Yes. In in, in a kind of really contemplative way and nice wines. Okay, then, no, I am a foodie. I, uh, you're that's like part of the joy of my life. E- eating a good meal at a nice place. Yes, you're and not taking somebody. your time. Yeah, my best, some of Pizza's my best is not memories. your dinner. Pizza's not my dinner. Yeah, no, yeah. I love to look forward to an amazing dinner. And when I travel... I want to go to the best where do you place. Li- where do you like to go when you travel? Are you well-traveled around the world? Um, Yeah, I am. And what are your favorite places you've been? Among, I should say. That's a difficult question. Pick one. I love—I've been all over Spain. <gasps> no. Yeah. I'm going in December. Oh, my, my God. My wife is from Spain. Really? My wife is from Murcia. She was born in Boston but raised in Spain. Is it weird? Like, do you— see me in that equation with you guys or are you Can I tell you something? kind of trying to keep it I do I do <laughs> I so do Hi Larry We um, could be great dining pals we could have like a little dining I'll just meet you guys club. at the airport um, I'll take you to the nicest meals you've ever had in your life I believe that Oh my gosh I want to fall sick. in love and have like babies and travel and do, you do really? whatever I want Yeah A man that you would fall in love with and have a family with and all that stuff he'd have to be what Black. Other than funny, I do black. <laughs> no, I an NBA um, center. Yeah, I. Uh, he'd have to be. I don't know. I don't. I haven't met him yet. I don't know. You haven't. No. You didn't meet him, and he got away. No. Or you pushed him away. No. But he would have to be what? I. Um, like it didn't work out with this guy you were in love with because you weren't looking for that. You're not ready. No, I, w- I was in love. I've been in love a couple times, and but you're not ready they to get married. No, no. Yeah, you have too much to do now. Well, no. I, if I met someone and fell in love, I would not ignore that. I just feel like when you fall in love, it's so lucky and awesome, and you have to, like, totally embrace it. And, and that that's the stuff that matters. I don't—I'm really proud of the work I've done, and I plan on doing a lot more, but I—yeah, uh, I, I want that, too. And, and, and for you, I just think you're, you're getting shot out of the cannon now. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough, and you know when you look at the Travel. stats for female comics, uh, they're not good. But do you see yourself transitioning into straight acting? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've got some of that lined up. 
What are you doing next? I have a meeting tonight. No, not tonight. Oh, oh. Well, we're back <laughs> writing my TV show. Yeah. We're back in the writer's room, and I'm going to— You start the TV show when? We Well, this year, we just started writing it right now, like so yesterday. you write for how long? Through two and a half months. And then you start and shooting we'll when? shoot it. In January? Mm-hmm. And then— Shoot for how long? This time, two months. And how many episodes? We're doing nine this time. Usually so you do, do ten. you do nine, you get an order from Comedy Central. Yes. And you get the order from them and you do it, and is that determined— also, I'm assuming, by how busy you are doing other things. Yeah, I wanted to do seven. And they wanted nine. We're doing eight in a compilation show. And then in March, I start filming a movie. What movie? It's called Mother Daughter. And we're shooting it, I think, in Hawaii. Who's directing? Uh, Jonathan Levine, who no. directed uh, Warm Bodies and Fifty Fifty and the Christmas movie with Seth Rogen and, and those guys. Um, Who's in it with you? Who's the mother? I don't know. I'm trying to find the mother. I'm trying to find the mother. Describe who, without the, you know casting it, it would be someone like, what kind of type? It would be someone like— Kathleen I, I, Turner? I feel like, I, I mean, I'm too naive to know if this is like a real, if it's a real faux pas to say to you, but I could tell you exactly who I want. want Do you speak sign camera? language? Yeah. You, Really? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm just— I was like, I can sign it to I'm going to get anything I do. I'm a talk show host. I'll get, I'm doing anything I can. Here's who I want. My handwriting is atrocious. Ooh. That's yeah, who I really, really want. She'd be your mommy. That's who I want. She'd be good. Now, you want—okay. Yeah. That person, without saying too much about them, obviously their name, you want them why? What about them? I they're, think they're the funniest— Pure comedy chops. Pure comedy and vulnerability and— Strength and yeah, beautiful. What kind of a story is it? What happens? It's an action movie. It's a- <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, it's an it's a comedy, but it's like it's we get like kidnapped on a vacation. Wow. Yeah. Who are people you want? Who are people that are out there? Comics, comic actors, people you would work with. You want to make a movie with that you want to work with directors. Samantha Morton is my huh. favorite. Uh, yeah, sh- sh- I would love to work with you. And I want to work with, you know, all the same directors everybody wants to work with. I really want to work with Rebecca Miller. Um, oh, my God. I love her movies. Robert Altman. He's gone, unfortunately. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, he's gone. I have to go. <laughs> the, uh, the, who else was I, I just thinking about? Wes Anderson? That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Your voice in Tenenbaums. I love that movie because it's Hackman's best movie. Absolutely. I know that movie by heart. That's I my that's that one movie. of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. I, I have a couple of moments that I s- just straight up stole from Angelica Houston in that movie in Trainwreck. There's a part where she's like, where's the doctor? When she finds out he has cancer. And there's a scene where I say it about my dad. I'm like, where's the doctor? I don't know. I just like, I just love that movie so, so much. So when you get kidnapped by these people with the woman who shall remain nameless, you're yeah. in, it's going to be in Hawaii? It's supposed to be, I think, Brazil. But it's Hawaii. Yeah. No, not going to Brazil. I really wanted to—I didn't <laughs> want to fake that. <laughs> yeah, no Brazil. Mexico City. That's El Chapo soon. Direct. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. No, can do that. No. What, about, what, what else have you got? Are you happy? No. Yes, you are. I'm, I'm okay. You're, you're not happy? Why? Because you're— No, I'm, I'm as happy as I've always been. I'm as happy as I was when I was waiting tables. I'm— I, when people are like, oh, congrats on everything. Are you, you must just be. I'm like, 
no, I don't think there's any other level of joy, maybe unless you have children. And if you're in love, that's like a drug, you know. But uh, I feel just as happy as I've always been. But I'm not like, I'm, I'm happy sometimes and I'm not depressed. I'm just kind of like, fine. <laughs> keeping, keeping it under control. Yeah. Yeah. There's no mania over here. You don't want to, but I'm saying you don't, that's interesting. You should say that you don't want to let this give you some kind of false sense of euphoria. It just doesn't. I think because I think because I I think having a a sick parent helps out with that. You you uh, grounds you. It just it it just lets you know like anything can go away. You're not uh, invincible. Are you close to him? Yeah. And he's struggling. Yeah. He's in. It's horrible. Wow. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thanks. Do you find that? I mean, this is the oldest thing in the book. But do you find yourself running around doing what you do to try to forget about that? No, not to forget to it's therapeutic for me. I talk about shit I really care about. Right. And and also just some stuff I think is funny. But when I get too dark, like when I've tried to talk about my dad on stage, it doesn't go well. But that's where like the book is that I'm writing is good because I can write about these experiences with my dad which have been You're going to write about that. Yeah, you're which have memoir. been really painful and really but really funny, just like so dark that you're like Oh my, you just have to laugh, and that's how most of— I'm writing a memoir, too. I sold you that are? book to HarperCollins, yeah. Ooh. It's tough. Yeah? It's tough. Yeah, it's really hard. Who are your friends? Who are, are they? they? Are your, Without naming names, are they people from the past and an old friend's New York and school and growing up? Or have you made good friends in the business? I'm now only friends with very famous people. It's just how I feel sure. comfortable. David Geffen. <laughs> sure. um, my friends— from high school are still my good friends. You know, I did SNL. They're all there. We we make a point to hang out, and we go on vacation together. I got them—we all got a house in the Hamptons. You know, no one cares about—we go to Atlantic City, and if there's not enough room, I sleep on the floor. And then a couple good friends from college, and then uh, a handful of female comics and performers. And then I have, like, a couple new friends— but not a lot. Like, you know, it's hard to make new friends. I'm very, like, guarded, and I have to really like someone to want to— have to earn it. And to go see someone, to hang out, to have the energy to keep in touch with someone. But my girlfriends are, like, we are such a crazy support system for each other. If you're on sets a lot and you're traveling a lot, you're on planes and in airports and on sets, are you a reader? Yeah. What do you read? What's the last book you read? Um, what do you want to recommend? Ooh, uh— I really liked Amy Poehler's book. You did? Yes, please. And uh, and Lena's book. I love reading memoirs. The book I would want to recommend, though, is, you know the book The Professional? It's old. It's like this boxer, this, like, guy who wrote about boxers. He would, he, like, followed him training before a fight. I think of that as, as a real connection to stand-up. I always, like, I, I recommend that book. Why? Because it's all about, like, that the fight is, it's not one in the ring. It's one... On the road, like you just, just the work and and that stuff. I don't you know. Get it's just ready beautiful. And you you got to be ready before you, you step be up ready. there. And it's not about the running around the bases part. Is that still where you're most comfortable? Is up on stage in front of a mic doing stand up? Um, I'm most comfortable in a bath. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I'm most comfortable um, while I'm having an orgasm. No, right. I uh, with a rich person. Yeah, with a famous famous athlete. Um, yeah, no, I uh, yeah on stage. Feels very much home to me. Mm-hmm. Amy Schumer is on tour through the end of December 
Find out where at amyschumer.com. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Here's the Thing is produced by WNYC Radio in association with Stony Brook Southampton Graduate Arts.